So, retrospectors, what historical events are we ticking off on this week's run of Today in History? Well, Monday is the anniversary of the day Roger first publishes famous thesaurus. Then on Tuesday, we say happy birthday, Mr. Potato Head. On Wednesday, the extraordinary stories of the child soldiers who fought in the American Civil War. On Thursday, how King James changed the word of God. And on Friday, what did spam emails look like in 1978? We discuss this and more on Today in History with the retrospectors. Ten minutes every weekday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This episode of For F1's Sake is about the 1999 European Grand Prix. So if you haven't seen it, go watch it on YouTube now. And while you're there, check out the wonder channel known as Carfection. 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 Carfection on YouTube is a place to go for anyone who loves cars that are fast, expensive, luxurious, or just plain cool. Carfection. And it features the best-looking car content anywhere online. Carfection. Erection. Carfection. Correction. Visit YouTube.com. <laughs> Visit YouTube.com forward slash Carfection now. Carfection. I've only got a semi-Carfection. <laughs> Welcome to For Formula One's Sake, the F1 podcast that's chosen a race to cover that doesn't require me to say... Andrea de Cesare is... <laughs> well done. Welcome to For Formula One's Sake, the F1 podcast that has based its entire ethos on the start procedure at the 1999 European Grand Prix. Have we started? I'm in the wrong place on the Zoom chat. <laughs> Welcome to For Formula One's Sake, the F1 podcast that's been really tempted to take up smoking lately. Mmm, gitan. Welcome to For Formula One's Sake, the F1 podcast that's been saying Vettel will retire next year for ages and no one listened to us. I feel like we've been talking about this for at least a year. We've been saying next year for like the last four years. <laughs> 
Welcome to For Formula One's Sake, the F1 podcast has been running behind closed doors since 2015. I think the only people that listen to Marshalls. Oh yeah, that's true, isn't it? I'm G. Graz, and today from Yes, our houses still, because stay the fuck alert, you twats. The virus hasn't gone What? away. We are going to talk about the 1999 European Grand Prix. But that's not all. Silly season has started extremely early in 2020, probably because there's arsehole else to do and there has been some pretty high-profile driver movements. So we'll talk about that as well, and no doubt some other nonsense too. That is all to come. Joining me is a man who has been oiling and grilling and digging. It is Phil Tromans. Hello, everyone. Have you set up an OnlyFans account too? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No, I've been, I've been doing a lot of DIY. Oiled up some, uh, some furniture that the previous people here left. Teak oiled it, sanded it down, jet washed it. Looked great. Was it made of wood? It was made of wood. Okay, good. Otherwise, Otherwise it was that was a bad thing to do. Rubbing oil <laughs> into metal. Three piece suite. <laughs> Wait a minute. For us at home, we're on a Zoom call right now, as well. So you can't see this if you're listening to the podcast. But I can see the chair. Is that the chair you're sitting on? Yes. Oh. You were. They saw you coming. That does not look like five hundred quid. It's a thousand quid's worth. I got it as a bargain because it's second hand. This is a one thousand pound chair uh, from a company that specialises in these particular chairs because they are so yeah. sought after. If you can find me one cheaper, I'll be very impressed. Specialises in what a chair? <laughs> no, not a chair. This yeah. specific Ikea. chair. This specific Herman Miller Aeron. Um, anyway, I've had enough of spending big money on stuff like that. So, uh, so this week I uh, bought a barbecue, and I've been barbecuing myself senseless. How much was your barbecue? Uh, it's five hundred pounds. <laughs> But it's amazing how much money you can save when you're not commuting into London every day on the bloody trains. You've been saving money commuting, but me and Chica this week have both saved £500 on barbecue. <laughs> well, well done. But you haven't had the steaks and burgers that I've been enjoying. And alongside him is less of a man than he was last time. It's Terry Saunders. Is that who that is? Okay, look, I did a thing at the weekend. I was, I was alone in the flat and my beard has been getting very long so I decided to give it a trim <laughs> and I've done this before just I just kept trimming <laughs> until uh, do basically you usually, do you usually trim your beard yourself or do you go no. to a professional I go to a professional I get a haircut right. and a beard it's what <laughs> Phil spends on barbecues <laughs> and chairs and weird things with his bike I spend on beard trims and haircuts in mm -hmm. a place I've been going, before lockdown, I was going to this, like, Turkish barbers, and they sit you forward and dip your face in a sink. Is that where they put the hot cloth in your face? Yeah, the hot cloth that, that set do? fire to your ears. I don't know, it just hurts a bit, because it's really hot. Pores. The Turkish people are a hairy bunch. Is that, <laughs> can I say that? Is that too? That's probably fine. Just, on the whole, they're hairy, and I think over the millennia, they've really developed ways to get rid of hair, and they're the best in the business. They are very good. Between that and so yeah, between that beard. that and Terminator Istanbul, <laughs> they've really got it down. <laughs> That's what made Terminator so great was all the hot cloths. <laughs> But um, the problem is, and this is a problem I have every time I shave my beard off, which I think averages out at about once every two years, is that yeah, my face. Yeah, because you've done it. You've definitely done it before. Yeah. When we went to that um, uh, that posh RAC. Oh, the oh, the, yeah. the uh, motorsport hall of fame. Yeah. Paul Hollywood, yeah. yeah. And what happened? Hollywood, seen your chin. Hollywood Walk of Fame. He saw my chin, and my chin is low down as my beard suggests. 
suggests. So my my face looks very round and not how no. my face normally looks. So I've been going through old photos on my phone to try and work out how long the beard takes. And I think I've got a good two months to be back to normal, maybe three to be kind of proper. I mean, you so. are kind of blessed in the fact that you can grow your beard that much in two months because, I mean, I, I now have the only beard of the crew and this is probably four or five months worth. <laughs> oh, wow. I'm not Why a don't you man. trim... Sh- Shave it tonight when I race. No, you will annihilate me. It's taken me five months to get this much. Look at that. That's an absolute masterpiece. That's taken him. Look at it. He's so proud. You've stroked it. I mean, uh, almost not. In fairness, I've only it's, I've only really got it because what's the point of shaving? Like, I'm not going anywhere. Mm. <laughs> Same reason I haven't had a haircut, which is why I'm wearing a hat. Well, you got to look good for your barbecue. Well, that's true, and I do <laughs> because it's very shiny, and I can see my face in it. <laughs> Uh, anyway, Chica, what have you spent money on? You haven't got a beard either. Did you shave your beard off? Uh, just only when only when uh, Matt mentioned we were doing it on Zoom, <laughs> I rushed to the toilet. So I have been I have been seeing human beings because I am a UK voluntary service responder. Ooh. So basically, for the last month or so, I've been a UK voluntary service responder, and it's been a frankly a joke. Oh. I have been, Ooh. so basically you do, they make out that you're some sort of hero. Basically you do some shopping for them, which is fine. Um, I've been sent to the A13 um, to go and pick up someone shopping. But there's just a, a spot on the map and you're just sat there looking at the A13. Like, I mean, there's something wrong. Where's here. the shopping? <sighs> because this person is, is dead if they're there. And various other things like going to someone's house and then being like, I mean, I requested it a week ago, but thank you. Um, anyway, so when they want you, they sound an alarm. Now, the uh, alarm um, doesn't correlate with the importance of, of what you're doing because you are essentially going to go and buy someone a, a loaf of bread. The alarm is like an air raid siren. Now, I'd been listening to a podcast in the toilet. And um, so the uh, podcast was linked up to the speaker in the bathroom. So the siren went off in the bathroom and I was like, ah, so the siren, I was like, shit. Anyway, so um, looked at my phone and a guy on the map needed, he needed his responder and that was me. So I, um, I went there to, to help him out, the man in need. And um, so I went to uh, this, this flat and um, the local, it had one of the council um, guys had to help let me in because it was kind of, it was really difficult to get to. And eventually I got into this um, guy's flat and he said to me, um, got to the door and I said, hi, you know, can I help you, etc." And he said, um, yeah, I need help with my shopping. Um, can you get me um, a packet of 40 Marlboros? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, and as I was undoing my bike, I heard behind me him say, oh, don't worry about it, I'm going, <laughs> as he was walking to the shop. <laughs> wow. So you've been volunteering so for lazy people is what you're saying. Vulnerable, isolated, was just wandering to the shop to go and buy his own cigarettes. I think... That's me clapping you too. Yeah. Yeah, this... Thank you. You're a hero. Right, Listener's Corner, and all of you over on our Facebook page are waffling big style about the driver changes announced for 2021. Sebastian Vettel will be leaving Ferrari at the end of this year to be replaced by Carlos Sainz, who is moving from McLaren. 
Lee Marsh Horgan says Vettel throws toys from Pram, having been upstaged by younger teammate Shock. Ian Martin says Signs will be a good number two at Ferrari. Vettel has had his day. Kevin Barry might not be too hopeful for Signs' chances of success at Maranello. He says Ferrari, where careers go to die. But Ross Chaplin wonders, could Ferrari actually be good now? If they actually build around Charles, they might actually get their shit together. Why is Vettel leaving? Well, well, the main reason he's leaving is because Ferrari have said, you're not the number one driver anymore. They, they may not have actually said, you've got to be number two to Leclerc, but I think they've gone, you know, you're going to have to take a pay cut and you're going to be equal stats with that over there. And Vettel, in my opinion, rightly said, get fucked. Because there's no way you can't. He couldn't carry on at a kind of equal status when you're a four-time world champion. No. I mean, counterpoint, there's a suggestion that you're only as good as your last season. And last season, Leclerc trounced Vettel. Why should Vettel now... Should should it be like Ferrari's legacy F1 payments where they just get more because they're Ferrari? Should he just get more because he's Vettel, even though he's not as good as the de facto number one driver? Well, if he'd have been wiser... in his contract for a start no I agree with you there's no this is why he's left he there's no way that he can still be number one but there's also no way that he can be equal status with Leclerc is this a pro- is go. it a pride thing do you think he couldn't just go yeah fair enough he's obviously quicker than me absolutely yeah but it's not just pride is it it's is there ever been another driver that's gone from lead driver to equal status driver and it's the one out. that's it's no. because of pride, because nobody wants to do that. The one where it's worked yeah. out, no. It, it, what what jumped to mind was um, was louder at uh, at Ferrari. No, McLaren. Was it Ferrari or McLaren when when Prost came in and was a bit shaky in the first season? But then by the time he'd learned from louder to be a bit clever, he was obviously much faster. And louder went, okay, I'll retire. This is pretty much the same because I think Vettel's going to retire now. Because mm. where can he go, really? Where will his pride let him go? Renault? I don't think so. Well, Renault, no way. Um, Mercedes, unlikely. No. Can't really see that. And he'll get trounced by Hamilton Um, because Hamilton's not going anywhere. Yeah. The only option, I think, is wildcard, but Aston Martin. I mean, that is... a kind of... That is an outside thing. But then, doesn't Perez already have a contract for quite a while... And there's no way that Stroll's not going to have that seat, is he? Lawrence Stroll turns around to <laughs> turns around to Lance and said, "Sorry, son, you're out because we've got Sebastian Vettel." I mean, that would be brilliant. Counterpoint: Lawrence Stroll seems like exactly the kind of person who would fire his son to get a four-time world champion in his car. <laughs> I mean, you might be right, I suppose. Um, I I can't see it. But it'd be like a, a no, but it'd be like a kind of project thing, wouldn't it? It'll be like you're not going to be a champion, but you've got. Two or three years of good money to build up this team from. I mean, it's being Racing Point to being. But he couldn't do that at Ferrari, and Aston Martin don't have Ferrari money. Racing Point don't have Ferrari. No, money. they've got Tommy. They got Tommy Hilfiger money. Eh, is anyone buying Tommy Hilfiger anymore? Um, I won't stand up because then you'll see my Tommy Hilfiger sweatpants. <laughs> no, I haven't got any. I've um, never owned any Tommy Hilfiger. I think he's realised the writing's on the wall. He's done pretty well. He's a family man. He doesn't need the publicity. He doesn't need the cash. I think he'll he'll do a Rosberg and, and retire. And we probably won't hear much from him again. And I think he'll be perfectly happy. Um, yeah. And, you know, good luck to him. I think he's, you know, he's one of those drivers. He's a very good driver. He's not quite top, top, top tier, but he 
got himself in a good team for a long time, got four world championships out of it, chanced his arm at Ferrari, wasn't quite good enough, did all right, but, you know, wave him goodbye, pat on the back, next. And that next will be Carlos Sainz. What do you think of that? Well, I would say, um, to reiterate what Kevin said in the comments there, where careers go to die, because <laughs> Vettel died, Alonso, his career died, Prost even. I mean, he had a bit of a resurgence, but Prost got, he got binned from Ferrari, didn't he? And I think Sainz will be one of those drivers that in about five or ten years, when you see a clip of the 2021 <laughs> season, you'll go... Signs drive for Ferrari. One of those. <laughs> like Mika Salo. Yes. Well, yeah. Well, it, or even John Alacy a little bit. Well, Salo was only there because Schumacher broke his leg, wasn't he? Um, but True. Uh, I think Ian Martin's got it right when he says he'll be a good number two. I think he'll be a good number two. I don't think he's brilliant. I think he's a solid driver, but I mean, he was being sh- on the verge of being shown up by Norris. He got given the boot from uh, Red Bull, didn't he? Um, he's been jumping around teams a bit. Someone's pointed out that he's followed Alonso's career exactly in that he went from Toro Rosso, which was Minardi, to Renault, to McLaren, <laughs> to <true>. Ferrari. <laughs> so we can expect so, him to have know. a crack at the Indy 500 next year um, and then start a <laughs> shitty clothing company. Uh, I reckon he could be a presenter. He's quite charming. Yeah. It's his cousin. Remember we, we talked in the last episode about his cousin, though. Now his cousin's got Billy Big Bollocks, you know, he's going to be there at Ferrari with his red shirt on. Yeah, speaking in the background Spanish. going, fuck! Um, I think science, I think, to, to Ross's point, could they actually be good now? From a driver point of view, yeah, this is probably a pretty good, a pretty good lineup. I think Leclerc is, I think even science would concede that Leclerc's better than him. At least he will. Counterpoint. I just like saying counterpoint. <laughs> Now we all, everyone's sucking on the altar of Charlie Clerk is amazing because it's a new phrase I just made up. <laughs> sucking on the altar, it's like drinking at the altar and sucking on the cock. Um, so it's locked. I've been on my own for a while, so I've just all I've got here is an altar. Um, <laughs> so what I would say is Leclerc. He's going to be in a very different position. I mean, we're obviously talking about next year, not this year, but he's going to be in a very difficult position because at the minute he's number two to Vettel and he's got that kind of underdog release where he can just be the kind of new guy who um, has a go at the big dog and he can win races and get stuff like that. But he did make a bunch of screw-ups last year, but he didn't really mind because he was just like, you know, he's doing well. This is his first year at Ferrari. I think he's going to buckle. I think when he's in charge of that, he's going to No, I, I, I think he is. I think he's now got two seasons of F1 under his belt and he's been doing a lot of esports racing and he's been doing and it very it? well. And I think I think he's learned from his mistakes. I think I think he's... Uh, I've drawn, drawn this parallel with people before, but Mark Marquez in MotoGP when he came in was ludicrously fast but fell off every other race. And that's sort of what Leclerc did. But then... Marquez got his act together and basically won every world championship for about 20 years. And I think Leclerc, if the car's good enough, could could do the same again. The, I think the, the fundamental problem that Ferrari have going forward will be Ferrari. I think they'll be the one that will balls it up somehow. And Terry, are you saying, do you reckon that it would be the pressure that would just get to him? I think the pressure, and I think he's just going to get... I mean, he's already a bit big-headed anyway with his kind of 
angry stuff on the radio going, hey, you should do what I say, all this kind of stuff. And that's when he's like, you know, the young upstart. When he's the, the big guy, I think he's going to be unbearable. I think the team are going to start to hate him. It's all going to fall apart. And in a couple of years, we'll be doing a podcast about, oh, well, another career went to die. Um, who's going to, where's Leclerc going to go now? He's off to Red Bull or whatever. So, yeah, just it's not going to happen. They're not going to win a championship. That's a given. No, uh, you know, on that we agree. Champ- yeah, the last time I won a championship was when Kimi Raikkonen backed over the line by mistake and won it. <laughs> and then before that, it was Schumacher. So, you know, there's no there's no way. They're never going to win again. Yeah. So it doesn't it's, really matter, does it? We're now at the point in history where driving for Ferrari is just about, you know, because you like the colour red, not because you want to win a championship. But there is an interesting question in, should Signs stay at McLaren as a lead driver or go to another team as a number two? What would you do? He's much more likely to I get stay at McLaren. See, I think he's much more likely to. I think he'll do better at Ferraris. Uh, if, like, if you were going to put money on Science winning a race in a McLaren or Science winning a race in a Ferrari, I'd put money on him winning a race in a Ferrari. It'll probably be when Mercedes mess up, or Leclerc's messed up somehow, and Leclerc or Ferrari up. have yeah, messed up and a pit stop, and uh, <laughs> and Leclerc's had spent you know fifty seconds in the pits, but. Um, well, He's more a, likely to get podiums and wins. But if you think about it, so at the minute, if, like, if the race, if the order kind of stays the same, the top three teams, Ferrari, Red Bull and Mercedes, they're going to come top six in most races. And, you know, as the number two driver, you're going to probably come fourth, fifth or sixth. And on a bad day, if you finish, you'll come sixth kind of thing. Whereas on a good day in McLaren, he can finish sixth. <laughs> Oh, I think he'll just end up finishing sixth. <laughs> well, we'll um, we'll see, or will we? We'll get to that later. So, naturally, Sainz's departure from McLaren means that there's a seat going over Woking Way. But who is going to be filling it? Why? It's Daniel Ricciardo, proving that the love affair with Renault was merely a short and unsatisfying fling. But who will fill that spare Renault seat alongside Esteban Ocon? So Craig, ha- Craig Howard says Hulk back to Renault. John Gardner says surely this opens the door for Hamilton at Renault. Let's face it, they're used to spending a <laughs> shitload on Ricardo, so they can probably afford him. Charles Moussard says is Fernando going to Renault just to shaft Seb in payback for his Ferrari exit? What do you think? Right. Well, Ricardo then. From Renault to McLaren. Mm-hmm. Sideways step? Forward step? Any step. I mean, it's a slight forward. Yeah, it's a slight forward step. It's kind of, it's a trip, if anything, isn't it? It's kind of like, he's ended up on his face. Is he getting paid less? Probably. He must be. I don't think, well, I mean, because he was, we'll we'll hear later that McLaren's not got loads of cash at the moment and he was on a stonking amount of money at Renault. Mm. So he's probably just banked that for a, how long was he there? It was only a year, wasn't it? Or no, it'll be two years by the time he goes there. Well, it'll be two years with this. One year of actually driving. But um, so he's probably just banked that and gone. Him. I don't need to worry about the money anymore. Now I'll go somewhere where they're not all twats, and I might actually get somewhere. But still, this is a bit embarrassing, isn't it, for him? He's left Red Bull. He's gone to Renault, and it was. I mean, it's Renault. Cyril the Bitterball is a snake oil salesman because, <laughs> like, he's just this whole kind of like, come here and we'll win races. We're gonna because don't forget, was it this year or last year they were supposed to win the championship according to their their self-aggrandizing plan. And they've got no chance. They keep swapping around. Like this year, 
they've got new designers designing the car, but they can't start until now or something because they're on gardening leave. So they got a whole new crew in again. It's a total mess. I know we've got no chance of doing anything. The parent company are probably going to pull out anyway. So I think it's the perfect place for Alonso. But um, <laughs> it's just it's just embarrassing because, you know, he left he left Red Bull because he thought Honda were going to be shit, which, to be fair, seemed like a fair bet, but Honda turned it around. Then he had a choice of Renault and McLaren. He went for Renault because he thought they had a better bet, and he was wrong. Is Ricardo the next generation Alonso of making the wrong move every time? Maybe, but I don't think he's pissing off quite as many people. Although, having said that, did you see the press release from Renault when he announced he was going? It was, no. oh my word. It was the Frenchest thing I've ever <laughs> it seen. Was the most it was basically aggressive. stubbing out a jeton on a croissant and saying, fuck off. It was basically <laughs> something like, it didn't say anything like, you know, we thank Daniel for his service and look forward to, you know, working with him for the rest of the season and seeing what results we can get and, you know, wishing the best of luck in his career. It was more like, now more than ever, we value loyalty. <laughs> there was no reference to thanking him at all. It was basically just loyalty like... From- from fucking Cyril from that team who, yeah, from that team who dumps like anything. <laughs> ask Nigga Hulkenberg about loyalty. Yeah. Ask Palmer about loyalty. Ask um, who else has been driving there lately? Who did Magnussen? Who did Ricardo Magnussen? Yeah, he got dropped. They all got, they just drop drivers like it's if, going it, out if it wasn't for Red, if it that, wasn't for Toro Rosso and Red Bull, they'd be far by far the the worst on the grid for that kind of thing. So yeah, it's a bit rich yeah. from Red. But I, th- I think Ricardo, it is a bit embarrassing for him because. I think a lot of people when he went to Renault were like, and they've been proved right. But I think at McLaren, he's going to be probably happier, if not as well paid, mm-hmm. and probably just as good a chance of getting a reasonable result. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how he gets on against Norris. But he's still, he's, he's still, he left Red Bull, so it's still a mistake. He's still sitting watching his old team. Well, yeah, winning. but then again, it's it's the whole thing of like, he you know, he was never going to be as good as Verstappen, wasn't he? So... Unless he could come up with some clever ways around it, yeah, what's the point? then uh, there wasn't much point in staying there either. But anyway, but as to who will take his seat at Renault, let's go through him. Hulkenberg. Would he want to go back? I think Hulkenberg. Would they want him back? He'll go back because it's a it's a Formula One drive. They'll want him back because they appreciate loyalty. Apparently, <laughs> um, I think it's the sensiblest option is to have Hulkenberg back. Yeah, so we can not get a podium again. But just to entertain the other ideas. Um, Hamilton never going to happen. That's not that's that's a silly comment. Why why would Hamilton go there? It's not like oh no, he's not he doesn't need any money. I mean Hamilton's got more money than anybody. Fernando, I can't see. It's it. going to happen, isn't it? It's going to happen. Part of me thinks maybe, but then the other part of me thinks, well, didn't he leave because he wasn't in a car that could win? And look, I mean, look at Renault's track. Yeah, but now he's in the the dying stages of his career. Another year goes by, he's never going to get back on the grid. He had success with Renault. They they love loyalty, and I can't imagine anything better than Fernando going back to Renault and having all of his, his final year in Formula One. Just seeing Ferraris ahead of him, McLarens ahead of him, the Toro Rosso ahead of him, or Alfa <laughs> whatever it is. All of his old teams will just finish ahead of him, and then it will just be another year of Alonso ranting and memes. Of course, another yeah, probably cheaper option would be. Um... Uh, Me. Guang, I can't pronounce his name. Guang, Guango, Guangho Zhu, 
the uh, Formula Two driver, who I think is like their test driver or something like that, because he looks like he's quite good. He's one of the young drivers, isn't he? Yes, exactly. Yeah, he's one of the Renault young drivers. Because he'll be cheap and they can probably boss him around. Yeah. And Ocon can be the number one and he can be the new rookie upstart and see how that goes. Is that I don't know how likely that, that means, is, but that would seem the obvious choice. But Ocon's a bit of a feisty driver. He's had a year out. Would you want him... I mean, I guess it's not a year out technically if he... Because he should be in it this year, shouldn't he? So if this year happens, yeah. No, it'll be all right. I mean, at this yeah, point, I wonder if, you know, can beggars be choosers if you're Renault? Because they just seem to keep pissing off drivers. And um, yeah, the more I hear about Cyril Abitable, the more I think he's a bit of a petulant man. <laughs> um, I mean, surely he's got to go. Surely he can't have long He seems like, the weak he link. Has, yeah. He has sailed over a, a period of shite. <laughs> <laughs> he has a little bit, yeah. Yeah, we'll wait and see. So another cool. news. When will we actually get some racing? So unofficially, the current plan seems to be the 5th of July at the Red Bull Ring in Austria and then the 12th of July at the Red Bull Ring in Austria. This could be the start of several double headers with two British Grand Prix planned for the 26th of July and the 2nd of August. Hungary looks like it will happen, but Singapore looks less likely. And then emphasis on the word could be three more double races at Barcelona, Spa and Monza, then trips to Baku and Sochi. Hockenheim has been drafted in as a sub if one of these can't happen. Then we're looking at another double race in Bahrain and then Abu Dhabi. Of course, this may all have changed by the time you listen to this. It's the classic, the classic calendar, isn't it? <laughs> Austria, Austria, you know, Britain, <laughs> Britain, Singapore, maybe, Hungary, I'm Barcelona, Barcelona. Two double races, how boring would that be? Well... Fairly. <laughs> it does feel like someone went to print the calendar and they put two copies instead. <laughs> I'll just go with it. It's a bit uh, desperate, isn't it? My favourite thing about this is, I mean, it's terrible, but older listeners might remember in, I think, the 90s, Brands Hatch and Donington, were, and maybe even Silverstone at some point, were both, the, there, were two British, there were two Grand Prix in Britain in a year, and the second one was called the European Grand Prix. Oh, it's the '93. So I believe the '93 yeah, Donington race. Yeah, that, that was European. European. Yeah. Yeah. So I really hope, what with you know Brexit going on, that as a lovely bit of trolling, that the FIA have a British Grand Prix at Silverstone, and the following week a European Grand Prix <laughs> at Silverstone. But if we've got one, two, three, four, five, possibly six double headers. Are they going to do that with every single one? They're going to have the Bahrain Grand Prix and then the Middle East Grand Prix, and then the uh, the Barcelona Grand Prix, and then the the Catalan <laughs> yeah, Grand, Grand Prix, and, Grand Prix and the Spanish Grand Prix, Grand Prix. the Belgian Grand yep, Prix, and works. the Benelux Grand Prix, and the Italian Grand Prix, and the yep. Aegean Grand Prix. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I like yeah. I like Austria, I like Spa, I like Monza. So yeah, okay, fine. Two races there could be interesting, especially if the weather changes at them, but. It seems so. it's just a bit desperate, isn't it? I mean, yes, because there's a global pandemic that's fucking the world. So it is a little desperate by default. You know, that is actually what's happening here. But I think as long as they do some kind of... I think they're missing a trick by what they should be doing is having the same track, but just changing the country. So, you know, just have different flags up. And mm. so they have the, the 5th of July race at the Red Bull Ring in Austria... And the 12th of July, they have the Red Bull race in Morocco. And it's just got like they Moroccan do, like, flags up. Snow. Yeah, they just like dress, dress the place up as if it's like themed or something. 
Yeah. You know, when you're at an airport <laughs> and you get that thing where you kind of land and you're you're in the different country than what you're in because it's customs and you're like, you, you know, when you go through customs, you're in that. Do you know no man's I mean? land. Uh-huh. So like you're, uh-huh. yeah. No, so you're like, like there's a bit, if you land in Canada because you're changing planes to go to America, even though you're in Canada, that little bit of the airport you're in is legally America because you've had your passport checked and it's like a weird thing. Um. So they should do that with it. So they should, for a, for a weekend, make that small area of Austria part of Morocco. So they should do it in airside at, uh, at Vienna Airport, is what you're saying. Just race the cars <laughs> no, around well, no, Vienna I'm, Airport. Or just in Vienna. Yeah. I mean, there's that. I mean, I'm no, not they, 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 make, they make the Red Bull ring for a weekend Moroccan. <laughs> So it becomes the Morocco, so Morocco annexes part of Spielberg. <laughs> I mean, hopefully they'll give it back. But these are details. <laughs> That's for the lawyers to sort out. <sighs> you know, and we could have. So you, could have you mean, you're not changing the anything apart from the legality. Put of some it. flags up. Flags up, and the food will be yeah. nicer. Right. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I mean, do you and, not want um, to change the weather though? Because I really want to change the weather. Like, could you not put some wind machines on and like? Oh, so, uh, so my idea is ludicrous, but changing the weather, cheek. <laughs> well, it's not the first time that the sprinkler idea has come up, and I don't think it's no, the first. It's yeah, not, the not the only time in this podcast. Morocco, though. It's not, it's like not going to rain in Morocco. Machines. Well, you need a sun machine in you Spielberg, then. And you could have, like, wind machines. <laughs> Just a massive fan on the back straight. <laughs> See if you can blow people off the track. <laughs> yeah, all right, at this point, why not? <laughs> I mean, I've, I've heard people say, yeah, you know, totally. this season's all up the creek. Let's try all the wacky ideas. Let's get Bernie back bring out his little red book of stupid ideas and, you know, let's give all the drivers medals. Let's get the sprinklers on. Let's, uh, what else did he come up with? All sorts of stupid other things. Reverse grids. Yeah, reverse grid, grid reverse qualifying, track. Qualifying point. Yeah. Joker laps. Sprint races. Yeah. I'm up for it. Let's do it. If I'd seen the film Joker, I could have done a good joke there about that, but I, I haven't seen it, so I no, don't have I any references to hand. So once we do get going this year, you can forget about such excitement as what tyres the teams have chosen. Pirelli looks set to axe that riveting part of the weekend. Surely the highlight for many. And just give the team some tyres and tell them to get on with it. Well, from what I can tell, it seems like Pirelli has made a fuck ton of tyres and doesn't want to keep making loads of tyres that a load of teams might not choose for the races that may or may not happen. Because it's something like a month and a half in advance or something. They have to choose their tyres for each race, isn't it? And when you don't, there is there. Yeah, when you don't know where they're going to go or when, that's going to be a bit difficult for Pirelli to just be waiting next to the tire machine, going. Yeah, but tires don't go off. No, but the fact that they they must throw away so many tires, or they have a long time to make the tires that the teams have ordered. Whereas with all this nonsense going on, it's probably going to be like it's going to be one of these things. Like I've just been watching Race Around the World on TV, where the, they get to somewhere and they open an envelope and it says you're going to Baku, and they're like. Oh, let's go to Baku quickly I imagine it's going to be like that the teams are going to have like two weeks notice and that's not going to be enough time for Pirelli to make all the tyres so they're just saying look we're going to make some tyres we're going to give you them you're going to be happy with them and that's how it's going and I will be surprised if that will make it more interesting I think that they should do that anyway I mean otherwise I mean is there anybody who really watches F1 and goes oh I wonder what team the tyres have chosen uh, what tyres the teams have chosen in advance people will no what am I talking about it's F1 of course yeah of course people will sorry but but I think take it a step further and make it like the lottery. So what happens is when the car comes into the pit stop, they've got one of those machines, like the lottery machines, and four tyres come out 
And they could be anything. They could be wets. They could be soft tyres. They could be used tyres. They could be tyres off a Renault Clio. And they've just got to bolt those four tyres on and get on. Will they all be identical tyres? Will it be a set or will it just be individual tyres? No, it could be like a fruit machine. A set, you win some money. So, you know, you can't have a set every time. So, it's so like, sometimes you might get like one wet, one hard, one super soft and an intermediate. Yeah. <laughs> That'll sort the men from the boys. <laughs> Who can drive their way around that? Brilliant. Great idea. Especially if it's just driving on the left-hand side of the track. <laughs> so moving into next year, we finally look like we're getting the budget cap that the sport has been trying to implement for a billion years. Nothing like a crippling global dive in the economy to make you think, hmm, maybe we'd better save some cash. The magic number being banded around is $145 million per year for every team, starting from next year and dropping every year after that. Although that figure doesn't include marketing, driver fees, the wages of the team's three highest paid personnel, employee bonuses, championship entry fees, engine supply deal, travel, and hotels purchase of super licenses or non-F1 activities, but hey, they won't cost much. Anyway, all that needs to happen now is for the teams to vote on the idea. <laughs> so then. What's non-F1 activities? Is that prostitutes? <laughs> yeah, Probably. I was going to say yeah. that. Definitely. Awful lot of prostitutes. That's like or fruit and flowers. Strippers. <laughs> fruit, flowers and prostitutes. Look, I think... They haven't gone far enough. It's 145 million a year, but it's going down every year. And they're quibbling right now on how much it goes down. I think it should go down 20 million a year every year until it hits nothing. <laughs> and then that will be a stonking Formula One season when all they've got is the three highest paid personnel and some drivers. <laughs> What's this thing with the three That's highest paid license. personnel? Super license is what all the drivers need. So I don't know they buy them. Is that right? Oh, well, right. I think you, okay. you have to earn the rights to buy them, but I can't imagine they're cheap. I'm going to Google it now. But yeah, you, you know that it's not just sort of you, you get a load of points and then they give you your super license. Like you must have to pay for no, it. Oh, I suppose. How much like does a £39 fee? License <laughs> yeah. cost? Okay, okay, so in 2009, Hamilton had to pay €218,920 for his license fee for the year. Jesus. Mm. So uh, yeah, it's expensive. So that's none of that's covered. FF1S.com <laughs> forward slash Super license, super license, super license. <laughs> so, yeah, I um, mean, there's going to be a lot more expenses. I mean, that's a lot of expenses right there in those exceptions. And also remember, a few, it, was, it wasn't that long ago that they were saying, oh, $40 million a year, that'll be fine. And now it's more than three times that. Speaking of saving cash, McLaren is considering mortgaging its HQ and some heritage cars in a bid to save some cash. The team reckons it can make £275 million from doing that. In a similar move to that made by Williams, which has taken a loan from Michael Latifi, dad of Nicholas, using its factory and heritage fleet as collateral. Well, this all bodes well, doesn't it? For Ricardo, <laughs> going to McLaren. Mm. He turns up and there's just sort of bailiffs taking away, you know, Senna's MP4 slash 4. Yes, but they're a very friendly bunch. <laughs> I mean, nobody's got any money. That's the trouble at the moment, apart from Ferrari but the and Mercedes. The mortgaging thing, I'd quite like the mortgaging thing because what could happen is you could have one of those kind of Sky F1 pieces where they go around interviewing your Ricardo or your Norris and they're 
going around the McLaren factory and you've got all these old cars and everything. If they've had to mortgage part of it, wouldn't it be great if there was just some like chavy family in a semi-detached house at the end of the, on the, on the edge of that lake? Just this kind of, just a bunch of chavs going in a swimming, you know, they're just swimming in the lake going, right, <laughs> we bought this house. Not a funny <laughs> joke, sorry. I thought that was going to be funny. I thought, no. We can just pretend you can cut out. <laughs> Uh, it's it's you know i hope that it works for them and they manage to keep enough money to keep going again because now they're in debt to people um williams are in debt to michael latifi mclaren are going to be in debt to i don't know dave (laughs) whoever they borrow money from um and uh if they can't get this ship back on track that's a thing shut up uh then it could be problematic so let's hope that F1 gets going and that McLaren and Williams start winning races. If they don't have to sell the old cars, could they just bring them to the races and use them? Because I, for one, would like to see, like, <laughs> Ricardo in MP44 <laughs> racing and Silverson because the second week were reported shit. That could work. Get Latifi in the FW14B. Be up for that. Just have them all out. Yeah, do it. Tell us how wrong we are. You can tweet us at For F1's Sake or find us on Facebook where we're For F1's Sake or email us at wrong at ff1s.com. And thank you to all the people who have donated since learning of my impending wedding and Phil's chair. And barbecue. (laughs) (laughs) And turbo trainer. Paul Hinton and James Caswell. Thank you, guys. Thanks very much. Thank you very much. You You are guests. Yeah. And to our regular donors, Christopher Lee. Not that one, but thank you. Paul Hewings. Top man. Well done, Paul. Donald Griffin. The finest of all the mythical beasts. Charlie Fraser. Fraser. <laughs> I didn't know what you said then, Terry. All we got is Razor. <laughs> I just said Frasier, like the like the sitcom. I'm just saying sitcoms now. Yeah, but you cut out. <laughs> it's like you just said oh. Razor, and there you, you were with no beard. <laughs> you know, Razy, Charlie, Razor, Fraser. He's an old, yeah, one of the old East End lads. Razor Fraser is a is a solid nickname. Yeah. Thank you, Razor. Keith Falconer. Oh. Razor. Falconer, the man with his the His nickname's also... His nickname's also Razor. No, he's the bird man. Ooh, nice. Jenny and... Jenny and Ralph Brynard. 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 Have a couple given us some money. That's nice. We're a family-friendly show. Thanks, guys. Or do you think that's just they've set up their PayPal or whatever as a kind of... It's like when you ring someone and the voicemail is the family, but you're actually just ringing the one person. It's probably Ralph, isn't it? Thank you, Ralph. I reckon Is Jenny aware of her donation? Can we just get Jenny or Ralph, whoever's listening, are are you both in on this? I want to check. No, I think Ralph's got no idea. Is this going to is this going to cause problems between Jenny and Ralph? I, I feel really bad now. Is this some kind of money laundering <laughs> scam? Bryce, Bryce Davies, Bryce Davies, Bryce the Razor, <laughs> and Paul Hinton. Hang on. So Paul's a regular donor, and he's donated separately as well. Paul, you've got too much <laughs> money, but thank you for giving it to us. You a worthy, all those beautiful South royalties. <laughs> It's not the same guy. I've got to do it every week now. It's not the same guy. (laughs) No, one of them's Paul Hinton and the other one's Paul Heaton. (laughs) What, the woman's Paul Hinton? (laughs) But if you want to encourage us to make more of these lockdown bonus shows, buy us a pint 
a tinny that we can buy from Sainsbury's. And where can you donate this money, Terry? Well, unfortunately, our normal website address has been shut down due to the lockdown, but we furloughed a new address at www.ff1s.com forward slash tin tin tin. That's not true, is it? You're not going to set that Was up, it? are you? <laughs> of course I'm no. not. Pint, pint, pint. In just a moment, we'll look back through the teams at the 1999 European Grand Prix. But first, a few observations from you lot. Uh, Tristan Clayton says, remember this race well. Season wrecking for multiple drivers. Irving, Fretzen, and most heartbreaking of all, Luca Badoa in his fourth place, Minardi. Nick Bromyard says, at 1.18, Murray suggests a controlled sprinkler system to make races wet. Sounds kind of familiar. Anthony Bishop said, safety or complete lack of it is the most striking thing watching these old races. Stephen Miles says, Ferrari pit stop fuck-ups is the same in 99 as now. For Ben Turnbull, the nostalgia was just too much. Beer with alcohol in it, tobacco sponsorship, single-use drink bottles. Use as much fuel as you like. I couldn't watch it. I can't fucking stand watching anything on telly anymore. Yeah, crowds. Remember them? Yeah. So <laughs> the podium cool. ceremony. Get a stand apart. You're going to all catch it. <laughs> uh, it was a good one. Stuart Ford. The team that is now Red Bull don't bother to do anything for the first 40 laps and an inspired run on the wet tyres meant that Johnny Herbert was there waiting for the inevitable win. Were they good or was everyone else shit? Yes. I would say. A combination Close. of the two. Well, sorry, what, what are you answering? Were they good or, or was everyone else shit? Yes. They, they, they were good and everyone else was shit. If everyone oh, else wasn't shit, they wouldn't have come anywhere near it because they'd ballsed up qualifying and were starting, were they 14th, 15th? Mm-hmm. But because everyone else honestly, was shit, they were there not being shit. Honestly, I watched this race and I couldn't remember. I, I just clicked the YouTube link, didn't look up what it was or anything. And after the first couple of laps, I was thinking, is this the one where the Stewart won its first race? But then thought it can't be that because they've not been in the Grand Prix. Like like half an hour in, you've not even seen a Stewart in the whole thing. It was just like, well, it can't be that race because I must have got the wrong year. This must have been when they were still... Who were they before? Tyrrell. No, no, not Tyrrell. Well, they weren't anybody, were they? They were, they were just Stewart. Didn't Jackie start them from nothing? Oh, yeah, you're right. But no, it was that. Because they, 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 they cocked up on the tyres, hadn't they, during qualifying? And they were way down on actually how quick they probably could have been. But I don't think even then nobody was like, yeah, they're going to win. I mean, as we'll discuss, everything happened to everybody else. And they were there doing pretty well. And then the rain came down and Herbert was pretty lucky to be on the right tyres at the right time. And and fair play to him, drove pretty well. And uh, yeah, what a lovely moment. Jackie Stewart on the podium. Lovely. Johnny Herbert on the podium. What trousers. Nice. Yeah, and Rubens Barrichello was there as well. And I don't remember much about what he did at all. Because at one point, they were thinking it might have been a one-two for them, but then then it wasn't. And I looked up, because I think I'm right in saying that Barrichello had got a couple of podiums for Stewart that year. So he was like the one who was going to get the first win. It was that kind of thing of like, if it carries on going like this. And on the day, he was just kind of, well, not nowhere. He was like fourth, wasn't he? But, you know, nowhere in this glory scheme. Yeah, I mean, it could it should have been a one-two because Barrichello was all over uh, Trulli at the end. But, you know, good old Nürburgring. 
it can't pass in F1. That's the trouble. Mm. Thank God that was back in 1999. Thank God they've had 21 years to sort that out. <laughs> it's a shit sport, isn't it? I mean, let's face it. <laughs> the problem with watching old races is they, they put these ones on YouTube that are like the good ones of a season. And yeah, this was, an, this was a good race with lots happening. But on the whole, you just get that bit of watching a two-hour replay of a 20-year-old race and going, some of this is boring. <laughs> and this is a good race. Some of the races that year would have been as dull as the races this year because often Formula One is shit. It was the weather that helped make this one and the fact that everybody kept crashing. Prost Peugeot. Prost used to be Ligier and in 1999 almost looked like they might be able to be a real grown-up team. But the decline was sharp and unlike the most teams that are around with a different name, these Frenchies don't exist anywhere anymore. I remember the Prost. You remember the Prost? They were led by that guy. What was his name? And Senna. That's the oh, job. Because yeah. the thing is, if you ask me before this, what happened to Prost? And I was like, well, actually, Prost, he got his own team. He bought Ligier, and it was a total disaster. And then you watch a race like this where, you know, they were up there and got the podium and was there on kind of on the merit of all the other cars screwing up, maybe. But, yeah, they were all right. Uh, yeah, they were all right. I mean, they were they, they were one of the teams that were... Just about good enough, and Ligier were the same towards the the end. They were just about good enough to be able to grab something if everything happened to everybody else, like Parnis winning in Monaco a few years earlier, because that was that was when mm. it was Ligier, wasn't it? it wasn't the Prost then? Um, I think so. Yeah. But again, it was only the fact that it was at the Nurburgring that he was able to hang on to second because Barrichello couldn't get past with, past him because that he was so much faster. Um, what happened to Parnis in the end? Oh, he was down in fifth. Okay, so he got points as well. So yeah, it was a good. Yeah. Oh, no, that was qualifying. Sorry. Stupid listings. Oh. Uh, but did you see how I just agreed not, with you? Like yeah. I knew. Did you I see like, that? Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. He was fifth. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he finished. He was ninth. That's my entire life. He was ninth the lap down, so he was the last of the people that yeah, actually ninth, finished. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> the last of the cars that actually didn't break down because um, everybody else did. So you know, they were there. They had Alan Prost. They were blue. <laughs> and they want? live on. They. The, the team man, all over they, the car. But they live on... <laughs> they live on in um, Cyril Abitable's attitude. Oh, I see. Okay. In Formula One. William Supertech. Murray kept calling him Ralphie, like this was an episode of Happy Days. Um, but the 1999 was the year of the Red Williams with an obviously made-up name for an engine and there was no way another engine this year would have had a worse name. Ralph was strong for most of the race and looked set to inherit the win until a puncture fucked everything. I tell you what, Ralph Schumacher, I think we can all agree, the best of the Schumacher brothers. So good. His he is now. Amazing. <laughs> 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 Too soon, my word. Mary <laughs> um, was looking really good. Obviously no Michael at this point because he'd broken his leg earlier in the season by fighting his car into a wall in, at Silverstone. But um, yeah, Schumacher was looking really good, and I felt I felt very sorry for him when his tire exploded. But you know, Stuart, Johnny Herbert, brilliant. It's it's very confusing seeing a Williams doing quite well and b Williams being red because I think it was only it was only that one year they had the red. Because if I remember rightly, that was the first year they didn't have Rothmans. He says now doubting himself. Yeah, and then the following year they went to like the whole BMW Hewlett Packard stuff, which went back to kind of bluey again, didn't it? So I think, 
or maybe not BMW. I don't. I don't. I haven't got any facts. Yeah, he came fifth. Yeah, that's right. But um, but they were already on the downturn then, weren't they? Well, yes and no. But this is this two is years after Montoya and stuff. Yeah, they didn't. Yeah. They've not won a championship since, but they were race winners for a good few years after this. Yeah, but it was a bit of a dip. There was the dip between the championship mm. years, and then there was then there was uh, yeah, they had Villeneuve, and then there was a dip for a few years, and then Montoya did a bit better, and then they went down, and then they had the uh, the highs of the Maldonado years. Um, <laughs> but um, I don't th- presumably again, I don't remember. But at the beginning of this race, I can't imagine anyone was putting money on Ralph Schumacher to win. And yet he no, but I think probably yeah. should have done. He qualified fourth, which is actually pretty good, and he qualified an awfully yeah. long way ahead of Zanardi, who was eighteenth. Uh, and then his car broke after about five laps or something, ten laps. I remember Zanardi just being a bit disappointing because he'd come from either Indy or Champ Car, hadn't he? He was like the big deal and was just a bit meh in Formula One. You can't you can't diss him now though because he lost his legs and now he's an actual superhuman. Um, Obviously, I wouldn't. He's a, a hero of a man now, but no, he wasn't a very good driver at the time. I mean, when would I ever have a go at someone's disability? <laughs> I mean, most days, I would imagine, especially in lockdown, not much else to do. <laughs> I imagine you're just leaning out of your window, <laughs> shouting at anyone. Um, and that's how I broke my back. <laughs> um, yeah, well done, Ralph Schumacher. Super tech. That's a name. Was this? I mean, was this, this was just an era of. We we tend to remember Tag Heuer engines modern now. Going, that was a stupid idea. Why would you ever rename an engine to something else? Back in the day, they did it all the time. Super Tech. That I mean, regardless of what it is, that is the shittest name for anything. Super <laughs> Tech. Great. A. As a kid, I loved it because as a kid, it's only one letter away from Super Tech, <laughs> which was a great cartoon <laughs> in the eighties. But um, Super Tech. <laughs> yeah, they used it for a couple and of the, seasons and they threw it in the trash like a piece of rubbish. And Ralph Schumacher looks a bit like, was it Spotty? Was that his friend? The spotty tech? Man, yeah. Spotty Man. God, yeah. it was a different time, wasn't it? Oh, uh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> Lots of creative meetings were a bit shorter back then, weren't they? <laughs> what should, we're going to get to the pub for lunch in those days. Yeah. The pubs were right, he's a teddy bear, right? He's got oh. superpowers. What are we going to call him? <laughs> I miss the pub. Can we just have a moment? <laughs> A moment There's a pub park. near me that I really like that's been shut, obviously, for the whole oh. time. And I looked in the window today and just thought, when the pub opens, it's going to smell really musty. <laughs> it's going to be the worst thing. We're okay, going to walk into right, a pub on that first day. Pubs. And it's going to be really musty. Less of pubs, more about rebranded Renault engines. Um, oh, fine. Go on, next. McLaren yeah. Mercedes. Hakkinen went onto wet tyres too early, screwing his race. He then sulked for the rest of it until it occurred to him that he should maybe do his job, which happened right at the end. 1999 was the year when everyone realised that David Coulthard was, at best, a bit shit. After almost doing a Senate 1993 in the wet, he ended up closer to a Senna 1994 in the wall. <laughs> you didn't write that, did you? Who wrote that? <laughs> No, it's wow. fine, Chica. There's nothing wrong with that joke at all. That's a great joke. <laughs> it's a great taste. Yeah, if you watch this race and you realise that Hakkinen went on to win the championship this year, you'd be like, what? That bloke who was just half-arsing his way around at the back, not doing anything at all. This must have been one of it's Hakkinen's actually... worst ever races. It was terrible. It's staggering, isn't it? Because, you know, you look back at Mickey Hakkinen as this kind of 
cool guy who came in, won a couple of championships and was fucking amazing. He watched this race and he crashed, you know, the, the shitty pit stop and then he just goes, well, fuck this. That's like Alonso levels of fucking about. But Alonso would fuck about verbally but still race hard. This is the opposite. It's just like, he was going, just like I cannot be fucking bothered. What's he was, the point? He was, and then, he was two tenths behind Coulthard in qualifying, so he was, he was crap all weekend. It wasn't just because he'd had a bit of a rubbish start to the race. Although fairness, he did qualify third. But he had a McLaren Mercedes. That was like the fastest. They were the fastest cars that year. David Coulthard Come had on, his man. moment in the rain. No, 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 no. He no, could have no, won no, the no. championship with this race. He could have he taken a lead in the championship. Didn't. He was doing incredibly well until the but moment he didn't. When, when, when he didn't. <laughs> yeah, that was his and chance, wasn't is, it? That was, that was, this, was, this was a lot of people's chances, this race. That really did feel like... Cause what I always remember about David Coulthard is that last year in Red Bull when he just crashed on the first corner at every race. And this feels like the the seminal moment when his career, he went from being a contender to a nobody. Well, and this was it. To a number two driver. Maybe not a, num- a nobody. Okay. But okay. Yeah. This was, his, this was his chance to win a title. And it understeered slowly off the track. And pinged This was... Ball. On his CV is the moment that led him down the path of being a broadcaster, <laughs> which he's very good and at, and a very su- a champion, and a very successful businessman as well. It, it worked out for him, <laughs> but let's mock him anyway. Oh, I'm sure he's fine sitting in his castle, whatever he does. Probably got a couple of them. Jordan Mugen Honda. Damon Hill had basically given up by this point. Whilst his teammate was in the lead, he just went slow in the midfield and in the first corner, causing a nasty shunt. Heinz Harald Frentzen looked imperious in the lead for most of the race until he forgot to disable the car's anti-stall system after his pit stop and retired. How does history remember these two? Should we start with Frentzen? Because this was his chance. <laughs> this was his chance to win. <laughs> this was his chance. This was his cool start moment. <laughs> it was. He could have been a hacker, but he was a cool He was start. looking so good until he forgot to turn off one of the car's systems and threw away... A potentially a championship. I actually completely forgot that Heinz Harold Frensen nearly won a championship, and I just yeah, again Jordan were doing really well that year, weren't they? Yeah, and again I just remember him as as one of those like oh he was there, you know, he was another driver that was in F one for a while, but was never anything great. And Damon Hill was having a sulk as well. <laughs> it's a sulky year, isn't it? Because was this was this cause it was Damon Hill's last year? Didn't he just not bother with the last couple of races? Didn't he just kind of go, oh, I'm done. Uh, no, he definitely did a couple of them, but he, he he was he was nowhere by this point. This was the end of it all because he basically he'd won his didn't he win his championship at Williams and then Williams didn't sign him the following year. And then yeah, Williams was, dropped him. Yeah, then he went to Arrows. And he was at Arrows, and then he ended up at Jordan and just actually had a reasonable car. But yeah, this I don't he never won a race again, did he? Was that was that was the end of that? Um, no, I think there was one Jordan race where he was in the lead and it went wrong at the. Some car problem, but yeah. Did he have his cool top moment? <laughs> but yeah, I don't I think mean, it was his fault. I think it was a car problem. In terms of how history remembers them, I mean, you could argue that it all hinges on moments like this. Frentzen forgot to turn something off, and now everyone just remembers him as just a driver that was in F1 for a bit. But Hill basically grafted and grafted and won that title in '96. But then after that, never really did anything, and was never, never looked good enough to for anyone else to think, hey, yeah, let's get Damon Hill in, you know, who had a good car. So, well, I've been listening. Can I recommend another podcast? What? No. 
No, it's not Mr. Apex. It's the race.com, you know, the new website run by yeah. ex-autosport people. The hyphen race. They've got a podcast called Bring Back V10s or 12s or whatever it is. And it's all about old races. They've got this whole episode about Damon Hill going to Jordan and everything. And one of the best bits is that Damon Hill got an offer from McLaren to drive, but it was the money was <laughs> basically no money. And Dennis just went, you can have this drive, but fuck off if I'm paying you. <laughs> and um, yeah, it's great. Anyway, was this Was this after his title? Yeah, yeah. Wow, he went to McLaren, and they. Just I mean, again, win. there you go. The fact that Ron, even Ron Dennis, has is has got the balls to say is like, yeah, you've won a world title. Well, I'm not going to pay you. That's what I think of you. Yeah, I like you enough to that I'll let you race one of my cars, but you'll get no money. Anyway, that's that's how we remember them. Benetton Playlife. Playlife is not a name for an engine. I mean, Supertech is bad, but at least it sounds like a terrible boardroom amalgamation. Playlife. Play life, and it's written on the side of the car in weird upside down letters, like they were too embarrassed. Well, play life is the same engine. So isn't I've done it? some research on this. It's the Mecha Chrome engine, also a shit name. What the fuck was well, going? It was, on? it was a Renault engine from the previous year, built by Mecha Chrome, badged as SuperTech, and then badged as Play Life because Play Life is a one of Benetton's line of clothing or something like that. It's basically like the Alpha Tauri of its day, isn't it? Because Alpha Tauri is a line of Red Bull clothing. It's it's almost yes. exactly the same oh, again. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, no, it's it's stupid. I mean, it's bad enough when they do it with teams, but to do it with engines is just, you know, I might as well start calling the the engine in my Skoda. You know, oh yeah, I've got a Skoda Tommy Hilfiger. Oh no, it's a one liter Skoda like, but, engine. But but it's like the Tag Cure one with the Red Bull the other year. It's just like, yeah, how is this a thing? Nobody thinks how? that Tag Heuer is sitting there going right, watch, watch. Watch Formula One engine. Watch. Nobody thinks that. Why? Why do you? I mean, it's literally just shouting the name as you go round. You might as well just have a sort of, you know, tune the exhaust in a clever way so that as it drives past, it goes tag <laughs> It would have the same effect, and it'd just be, you know, in fact, that would probably get you more attention because like everyone that. would go, "Oh, that's clever, isn't it?" Mm. Yeah, stupid. But um, who was what driving for Benetton then? Fertzen. Fisichella. Yeah, what did you think of um what did you think of Fisichella? He looked young. He did look young, didn't he? What happened? Uh he crashed, didn't he? Or was he No, he, no, he was he was looking Listeners. He spun off. That's right. He, he lost it, didn't he? He lost it at the same place where he he'd made exactly the same mistake several laps previously. And then he did it again, but this time he ended up in the wall or something like that. God. It was that little chicane. He was coming through the chicane, and he basically lost it, and then he managed to get it back and carried on. And then about four laps later he did exactly the same thing again. When will you learn? He would never learn. Although he did, Fisichella, in fairness to him, is another of those drivers that had a really long career. And he did win a couple of races, didn't he? He won three races. But he was in... He's done 231 races. Did he go to Ferrari? Was that him? Yeah, he was at Ferrari with Raikkonen. Yeah, you see, he's one of those drivers. This is what Sainz is going to be like. In years to come, you'll be there going... Signs drive for Ferrari? Like it's <laughs> No, no, don't believe maybe, it. Maybe Signs will end up one of being one of those drivers that actually drove for every single team from from the point where he came. He's in. on the way. Exactly. Mm. Haas in a couple of years. Oh, I can see him God, as a Haas driver. <laughs> Ferrari. 
1999 didn't go quite according to plan for Ferrari, especially when superstar Michael Schumacher broke his leg at the British Grand Prix and had to be replaced by Mika Saulo, who, bless him, is no Michael Schumacher. In fairness, neither is Eddie Irvine, who bimbled around for a while before outbreaking himself, letting Hakkinen through and then coming home with no points and basically shafting his championships chances. Saulo's brakes failed, and when you combine that with some typically shambolic Ferrari pit work, it wasn't a brilliant weekend in Maranello. It was peak Ferrari. <laughs> like you watch this and just go, Ferrari have always been shit. That pit <laughs> and stop if anything, was just oh, I loved it every second of it, I and it was a lot many... of seconds. <laughs> Should we go through this bit by bit? This was Eddie Irvine's chance, wasn't it? <laughs> this was his chance for a championship. But he Coulthard slash Frenchened it. <laughs> this, was, this was the race where everybody had their chance for a championship and they all chucked it away. Um, apart from Johnny Herbert, who went on to win several world championships. In his head. <laughs> yeah, Irvine wasn't great either. Ferrari weren't great. That's not a great lineup, is it? Eddie Irvine and Mika Salo. They were nothing, I mean, basically, without Schumacher. This is the problem with the Schumacher years of hiring a really shit second driver is when you go, hang on a minute, <laughs> if our main driver's out, we've got no one. But the more you look at Ferrari's history, like from, say, mid-70s onwards, the more you have to realise that it's a series of unlikely peaks <laughs> in otherwise huge troughs. <laughs> Yeah, I mean they the are the most years. they are the most successful team in F1 history, but not lately. And yet, also the shittest. <laughs> I don't know. It's just Ferrari have always been a bit shit, and then every few years they're good, and or every twenty years they're good for a couple of years, and because they've been going so long, it kind of warps the statistics a bit. Yeah, because like you know, McLaren have got the second most ever wins, and they've not won anything for like twenty years but they've not been going as long as Ferrari. So, it, yeah, it's it's just a joke. That pit stop was amazing. <laughs> it was fantastic Every to watch. second of waiting. There should be a, somebody should do a Ferrari uh, Ferrari highlights video over the year. Of, well, low lights, let's say. And that would be in there. <laughs> Salva Patronas. Back in the good old days, Salva was so cheap they made roll hoops out of imagination. But Pedro Dinez did not believe enough and he nearly had his head rubbed off by the nasty crash at the start. And also Jean Alessi, who had started his career as a giant killer. Gi- giant killer, not giant killer. It's, it's, it's like he was like a, a giant killer. Yeah. yeah. Let me read. Hang on. Let me read this in my head. Hang on. It's, it's just one, it's one word, isn't it? That's, that's the issue there. Giant killer. Giant killer. No, giant killer. <laughs> no! <laughs> giant killer. Oh, giant killer. <laughs> Started his career as a giant killer. He's a killer, giant. <laughs> Terry, stop it. <laughs> How do you say anteater? Anteater. Yeah, not anteater. Anteater? <laughs> giant killer. Yeah, okay. Andrea de Cesaris. <laughs> and also Jean Alessi, who had started his career as a giant killer and then a Ferrari driver during their shit years and now driving around the back for a shit team. Kimi Raikkonen, if you will. Burn on Kimi Raikkonen, but accurate. 
Back to Nis Crash. Crikey. Uh, a, a sort of, ooh, in two parts. The first, how the hell did he flip over? Because he didn't look that fast. And then secondly, why is the roll hoop come off? <laughs> it literally had one job, was to not come off. And then it came off. Yeah, the roll hoop. The roll hoop in a Formula One car is the one bit <laughs> you want that to be bolted on. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was shocking. Yeah. That was horrible. I'm still not quite sure how he didn't have his head squashed, if I'm honest. Because when they brought I, that car out, I, it was basically just flat. It was like it was one of those old open-top things where you'd rather be thrown out of it. Yeah, um, no, it was <laughs> it was pretty staggering. I also liked it when they brought oh, the sheet the out to stop anyone filming, but then neglected the fact that the uh, TV cameras were on the other side of the sheet and showing everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. <laughs> Classic F1. Yeah, that was I mean, the thing brilliant. is, F1 is a, sh- is a slick operation these days, and sometimes it's good to go back to what F1 used to be like and just go, this was kind of better. <laughs> it was just a bit rubbish. <laughs> a lot more dangerous. I think, yeah, no. as, as they, we read out at the beginning, like there were several instances where there were marshals on track pushing cars around, and the cars were just going around at full speed around but the corner. Like it didn't matter. They had like a, the cranes were on the side of the track, and they had guys that were just sort of standing, leaning on the cranes. Yeah, that was fine like, back it then. It was just fantastic. It wasn't dangerous now back they'd then. Be you like, get, move, move, move. You get a really good view from there. <laughs> What's weird is that in my head, 1999 isn't that long ago. I suppose it was 21, <laughs> 21 years previous. So if we go about the same distance from them, we were in 1978. And that seems like a long time ago. But uh, hooray for Denise not being decapitated. That's good. Uh, Jean Lacy, a classic, also ran now in the... What a career. Like, 1990, American Grand Prix, when he was, like, in a Tyrrell and going against Ayrton Senna, he was going to be the next big thing. And he ended up being not being the next big thing. I mean, he got plenty of um, he got plenty of podiums, didn't he? But I think he only ever won one. He got th- thirty-two podiums, one win. Oh, <laughs> that's gotta hurt. I mean, I bet he and he went through the teams, didn't he? Because he was Tyrrell, Ferrari. Did he do Benetton as well and Sauber? And by the way, Sauber Patronus. closer to an engine, but not an engine. That's <laughs> no, it's a fucking a, oil company. <laughs> it's a lubricant. He's a funny one, Alacy, because he was really good, but he just never, he never bloody won, apart from once at the '95 Canadian Grand Prix. Um, but yeah, he was on the. He was getting towards the end of his career at this point. He was properly Raikkonening it. Yep. Minardi Ford. Minardi weren't very good in 1999, or indeed ever. But Luca Badoa looked set to come home in fourth at one point, and was understandably very upset when his gearbox broke with a dozen laps left. Tears, guys. Real tears. Although we weren't really sure because he didn't take his helmet off. But we'll go with that. I mean, he was. That was Luca's chance to score F1 points for the first time ever. And he'd never get the chance again. Luckily for the Minardi team, Marc Genet was there to take sixth and a single world championship and a single world championship point because they were very stingy with them back then. It would only be one point Minardi would score all season. Still better than B-A-R. This was Badoa's chance, wasn't it? This was his one chance. And it wasn't his fault. It reminds me of, I think it was Adrian Sutil in Monaco, driving for Force India, was fourth, and Kimi Raikkonen crashed into the back of him 
Does that ring a bell? Yeah, that sounds familiar. It wasn't his fault. He was going to get this amazing finish. Maybe it was even third. Was it suited on the podium? Can't remember. But um, for Padoa, it wasn't his fault. We've had all the other drivers we talked about fucking up. And this was, he was there to capitalise and his car fucked up, but it wasn't his fault. And it's the saddest thing you'll ever see. That that few moments when the car stopped, that was like the opening of Up. <laughs> yeah. That could be a it Pixar seemed, film. Just, seemed to last just a Luca Badoa getting out of his car and crying. I felt very bad for him. But yeah, he'd never never get the chance to score a point again. That was the end of it. That was the that he would have been the highlight of his well, the highlight of his F one career. Should we send him an award? Terry's oh, point of my heart. He was a Ferrari test driver, and when he retired, he was replaced by Jewel Bianchi. Yes, he was. Didn't he do? Didn't he do a race relatively recently? I mean, not the oh, last couple of years. Hang on. But wasn't there somebody out? Didn't Badoa come in and just be absolutely shit in a Ferrari, like way off the pace? Maybe yes, it was. Or so no, ago. I've got the. Yeah, I've got the page open. It was when Barrichello had the spring Massa. in his face. Oh, no, yeah, sorry, I'm reading the Wikipedia. When Massa had the spring in his face because it fell from Barrichello's car. Right. You can tell I've just read the wrong line on his website. <laughs> <laughs> but I say it with such confidence that it's believable. Yeah, so that was then. That was when Badoa came back to, to Formula 1 and was terrible. Was that quite a long time ago? Quite a, it was 1999 Japanese Grand Prix. Oh, no, hang on, no, that's no, not it wasn't. Two, no, no, I'm, I'm reading the wrong line. <laughs> not reading the wrong lines. <laughs> he was 1.9 seconds off Raikkonen in the 2009 European Grand Prix he qualified 20th and last and he was slower than the Toro Rosso driver and right. he didn't do very well was that really 2000 that was 11 years ago In my, if you'd have asked me that I'd have said yeah that was like 4 or 5 years ago Ugh, oh we're old Phil we are anyway BR came to the sport in 99 buying the Tyrrell team and is now Mercedes but they had promised to win a race in their opening year, and here, near the end of the season, they hadn't even scored a point in their weird dual liveried cars. Do you remember when BAR launched with their liveries? Because originally, at the unveil, they had one car in the 555 livery, a blue one with yellow, and they had one car with Lucky Strike livery, and then... With not, I think with not that long before the season started, everyone basically said, no, you can't do that. So their solution was to basically just combine the two liveries and have one side on one and one side on the other, which I think is brilliant. And I, I think more people should do it. I remember the only time it looked good was when one of the cars span and it like it was like two cars spinning because every time it went around, you're like, what? What car? Oh, oh. Because that 555 livery particularly looked really good because it was also the livery that they had on WRC rally cars at the time on the mm. Impreza's and they looked amazing. But um, BAR but yeah, were shit. They but were. They were shit. And they came in saying they're going to win a race in their first... It was a bit like Haas, you know. It was just this kind of bravado, we're going to do well. And it was embarrassing. <laughs> and they didn't even score a point. Did they even score a point in no, their first No, they didn't year? score any points that season at all, no. What a joke. Yeah. They were absolutely shite. Um, and don't forget, Villeneuve had left Williams to go there, hadn't he? So I'm trying was... to remember what the circumstances were about that. Did I mean, he, he, did might, he leave... I mean left. Yeah, left might be a, a loaded word. Because no, was, <laughs> it, was that another case anymore. when no? Was it another Alonso thing when nobody liked him? Was that what happened? I can't no, remember. Yeah, now. no, nobody really liked Jack Villeneuve. And then, of course, they had Ricardo Zonta, who we all remember vaguely. <laughs> 
I mean, I remember that he had a name beginning with a Z, but I remember very little about him. Uh, yeah, they were terrible. Absolutely terrible. Finally, Arrows. Every year needed a team with no interesting points. 1999 had Arrows. Yep. Yep. And now it's time for the State of F1 with Terry Saunders. Okay, so I've done another State of F1 about the race in question, the 1999 European Grand Prix, and get ready. Are you sitting down? I think you should be sitting down for this. If you're driving, pause this, pull over, crack the window open a bit, and then get ready. You ready? I think Murray Walker was a bit shit. I didn't at the time, don't get me wrong, I loved him as much as we all did. And yes, I know that slagging off a high-risk 96-year-old man during the pandemic just a week or two after losing Sir Sterling Moss is risky at best, but hear me out. In the 1999 Grand Prix we've just been watching, I think it's fair to say he wasn't at his best. It's not just the mistakes and the not knowing who is who, and almost any time there's a 50-50 guess of which car from which team the camera's focused on, he'd get it wrong. But he also came across as a bit rude. <laughs> He'd always talk over Brundle, who was a bit posher back then, to interrupt genuine insight with some doddering, incorrect exclamation. This was two years before his retirement, and I do remember a general sense that maybe he was past his best by then. But what felt fun and charming in today's era of hyper-professionalisation felt, what well, a bit shoddy and shit. We all wanted old races, and now we've got them, there are twofold problems. One is that the cherry-picked ones we are watching are better than normal current races, but maybe not good races, but also that it's challenging some of the things we do remember. It's weird when we're being told to wash our hands and not look at people, to see roll hoops failing, JCBs on track, crash cars littering the races, and Murray Walker showing us if we go back to the past, sometimes it's weird, sad, and a little bit creepy. The way he kept calling Ralph Schumacher Ralphie, that was weird. But don't worry, I have a solution. Remember when Murray Walker did the commentary for the old Formula 1 games on the PlayStation? He'd recorded about 10 lines that would get repeated again and again until it drove you mad. Well, I think we should replace all of his old commentary from the races in 1999 with those 10 lines, and then it will be fine, because it will be nostalgic. <laughs> Don't worry about it. So you're saying we should just have like a Murray Walker soundboard with just yeah. some of his greatest phrases and just... And here he is! <laughs> that was the State of F1 brought to you this season, whenever it starts, by Carfection, Terry... Can you give us an update? Well, we're doing some videos with Carfection about the state of F1, and it's been a bit troubled by the pandemic. But it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Don't worry about it. It's going to happen. It'll be fine. You'll see me on your screen soon without a beard. Oh, fuck, I've shaved the beard off just as I'm going to do some filming. <laughs> that means I've got to keep it off. Oh, fuck. <laughs> That isn't from us. It is goodbye to Phil Tromans. Goodbye. We haven't had time to talk about Lewis Hamilton and the fact that we're not going to see him playing video games because he does not care about esports. And to Terry Saunders, who has become a fan of someone. What we haven't had time to talk about is the fact that, look, I'm not saying I like esports because I don't. I've watched a couple more races and I think they're shit. <laughs> but I've become quite hooked on Jimmy Broadbent. He's good Japanese. I like him. I've been watching his videos and I've realised what I don't like watching the eSport races where you're just watching the cameras go around. But watching him driving around, I like it. I've become his, a fan. I've watched a lot of his stuff. In his shed, watching his feet. Yeah. Do you think you've learned a few things about how to drive? Could we get you back on the F1 game once lockdown's over? Long-time no. listeners may remember. I think Didn't we post once a post, post a video of you driving around Monaco? And I think I mean, got, we did try video content once. One, <laughs> one corner in and then binned it into a wall. 
In my defence, I was pissed and really bad at it. So we'll be back at some point to discuss something. In the meantime, <laughs> check out our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash for F1's sake, and follow us on Twitter at for F1's sake. You can buy some stuff. You actually can buy some stuff because we've updated the shop. So if you go to ff1s.com forward slash shop, 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 you will find new designs of old designs, but copyright better for copyright because they haven't got the logos on and some new stuff. Which I can't recall. It's really good. Though. I'm scrolling for now, and that's the man in the match yeah, driving shirt. Stuff. I'm soft. Oh, <laughs> oh hilarious tire-based t-shirt jokes. <laughs> you can buy a t-shirt that says "I'm soft," "I'm hard," or "I'm wet." I decided this time not to make "I'm medium" or "I'm intermediate" because <laughs> they're not as funny. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I mean. If people want to buy the whole set, although of course with the new Pirelli rules, you don't get a choice of which. Uh, which t-shirt you get we just send you a t-shirt and you have to lump it thanks for listening see you soon I'm in Ukraine goodbye bye bye Sports Social Podcast Network